Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps.
I'm going to be looking at some scripture this morning. If you'd like to open your Bibles and turn to Psalm 98, those first nine verses echo much of what we just sang. And this psalm says this, O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wonderful things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his loving kindness and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, shout joyfully before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the mountains sing together for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Amen. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we thank you so much for the gift of music and the ability to sing and Uh, Whether it's in tune or not, Lord, let our songs sing loudly for you, for it's you that we worship this morning, Lord. Help us to be of like mind and let our hearts be open to the message that we are to hear this morning, as we know it was inspired by you. Feed us, Lord, and let us leave this place full of you, so that all who see us, in fact, see you. For it's in your name that we ask. Amen.
One of the things we've done today is invite our advisory board members that uh, serve the Salvation Army as community volunteers to uh, join us, and uh, they have uh, filled a row or two rows back there in the back of our congregation, and I would just ask them to uh, rise and be recognized at this time. Thank you, and God bless you for the service you do for the Salvation Army. Now we're going to sing Simply Trusting, and we're going to have an opportunity between verses. If you want to have something you want to share about how God's blessing you or answer prayers or about trusting God, we're going to sing the first verse, and then um, I understand there's an introduction between, so we'll kind of watch Ted. We're, I'm simply trusting that this is going to work. <laughs> never failed to get up and testify when I had the opportunity because I do put my full trust in Jesus every day. I went in, uh, see, Thursday morning and had a biopsy done on my lower jaw. I am free and clear, no problems. I had my my staples in my mouth lowered so that by this time next month, I will be able to wear dentures and eat with them. (laughs) It's good that you have a Jesus God that you can trust and put your full faith in, and I do it constantly. It's a neighbor of mine, and has been picking on me, come to church, come to church, come to church. I didn't have much choice. I came to church. (laughs) A year and a half ago, I had a four-way bypass. And uh, came within 10 minutes of meeting my Lord. He didn't want to look at me and said, get out of here. Get back where you came from. So here I am. So I feel blessed that Jesus gave me that opportunity to meet with you folks. I will be teaching some classes later on here. I'm going to be teaching some art classes. We haven't made complete arrangements yet. But I'm planning to teach. Yeah, and the banana bread wasn't bad. (laughs) I will be teaching some art classes here eventually. I haven't got it completely set up yet, but uh, it's going to be for adults and will be for the youth. So if you're interested, join us. See how good you are. If you aren't good, I'll make it good. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, I'd like to thank the Lord for all his uh, nice weather yesterday. It's for this whole last week and this uh, Memorial Park and uh, the wetlands uh, projects that we were working on all week. Uh, uh, Lord bless the Rachel and Tom for all the efforts that they put into this program. Uh, the other behind-the-scenes uh, people, uh, Ryan from uh, Habitat, and no, uh, uh, oh, I can't think of her name from the uh, Neighborhood Association, president of the Neighborhood Association. But it's a beautiful park. There's about 250 
young people live in that neighborhood and now they've got a beautiful place to, to play uh, and uh, it's going to be wonderful uh, for years to come. But, uh, praise the Lord for all the guidance and uh, help that he's given us. Thank you, Jim. This year at work, I've asked God to um, open up doors for me to witness for him. And, um, and I've had many opportunities at work, and it's been um, interesting. Um, this past week, I saw an 18-year-old. And um, as I went to get him from the waiting room and we're walking back to my office, I said to him, um, Elijah, what a beautiful name. And uh, I said, do you like to be called Eli or Elijah? And he said, um, Elijah. And I said, what's your middle name? He said, John. I said, wow, Elijah John. And he said, my parents were Christians, um, and they raised me in the church. But when I got older, they told me um, I didn't have to go anymore. All I needed to do is um, find God on my own. And um, I'm looking at him, and he said, I really don't think there is a God. And I said, uh, well, let me see. Um, let's see how well you've done so far. You're 18 quit school, started drinking, using drugs, you're homeless, you have no supports in place, don't go to church. Um, how well have you done? And he said, um, he didn't really actually say anything, he just looked at me and I said, I want to tell you there is a God and that he loves you just as much today as the day you were born. And if you get back um, into his um, ministry again, I mean, and love him, um, he will open doors for you. So it was kind of exciting. I'm afraid I'm going to get in trouble all the time, but um, any time God opens the doors for me, I want to be faithful and, and witness for him. Good morning. Good morning. And thank the Lord for being here on today. I am a pleasant bell ringer for the Salvation Army, and I've been doing it for a while. And I thank God for being here, thank God for my life. Without him, I wouldn't be here. I want to thank God for my fiance here, Miss Inger, and God has done wonderful things for us. So, pray my strength in the Lord. Thank you. Let's continue on with the second verse. I'd like to thank the folks here at the court for praying for me through this uh, physical therapy. Uh, Clem said to me, if it don't hurt, <laughs> it's not worth it. Well, the, the lady was moving my arm, and I said, are you sure God wants my arm to go that direction? <laughs> but it's kind of really neat is that uh, uh, I think it's all going to be taken care of through the physical therapy. There won't be any surgery done. And I appreciate your prayers, and I thank God for his moving. When it comes to uh, my family, the Lord, my friends here at the Corps, and uh, throughout all of it, 
I can still say that God is there. I mean, that's, that's all that I can say. Without the Lord doing for us and showing us the way to go, we would be nothing. And I do press my neighbors and my friends. I got John here, so I already got the next victim in line. He lives two houses down. Uh, and I told, I told somebody about that the other day. And uh, he told me I was actually doing the right thing. Because I do have a list written down of people that I'm pushing. And I push them on a weekly basis, sometimes not a daily basis. <laughs> but that is uh, what the Lord has told me to do. Or spoke. That's just what I'm doing. And that's all I got to say. Thank, Thank you for you. everything. Let's sing the third verse. And there'll be one more opportunity between the third and fourth, fourth verse. <laughs> stand up but today um, two things happened this week that I want to let you guys know that your prayers work really really well I had two job interviews for the same job and come up last week so I got one more on Monday hopefully <laughs> they'll call me Monday and let me know so thank you for guys for praying and keep it going I want to thank you also for praying especially for my mother-in-law she was dressed, ready to come this morning, so anxious to be here. And then she had to go lay down. But she's looking forward to the concert this afternoon. Please pray that she'll make it. First time I've ever been here, and I'm kind of shocked. Because the Salvation Army is a name that has always been around. And the thing the Salvation Army has done for people, through, I'm almost 80 years old, and for things that I have known of the Salvation Army has been like a gift from God. They have helped so many people, and the band has always been recognized. <laughs> but do you realize how many people don't even know they have a worship service? I didn't know it until last week. My son-in-law that just spoke, he told me. They love to come to worship here. And I brought food to share today. And I mean, I, I love to see people worship the Lord Jesus and talk about what he's done for their lives. Because he's done a lot for a lot of people's lives, but everybody don't realize you start getting older and age, start looking back. Some of the things he's brought you through, and then you just recognize it was the Lord Jesus that did it. So I'm proud to be here. I'm proud of the band. I'm really, because Christmas time, I look forward to the band. 
but I appreciate the worship service and I appreciate what all the Salvation Army has done for me, my friends, and my family. And I thank you. Thank you. Let's sing the fourth verse. <laughs>
Good morning. This is a um, time in the service that is um, really for you. It's a time to bring your praises, your requests before the Lord. Time that you can come to these altars, these places of prayer, and kneel and pray alone with a friend, with a family. You can pray there in your um, pew where you're seated. Just a time for you to use as you would uh, see fit to communicate with your Lord. We're going to sing the chorus of the song, Come, Beautiful Christ. And as we uh, sing that, I'm going to ask the band to just stay seated unless you want to come and pray. And uh, we're going to sing that chorus through. We have a time of uh, prayer for you to pray how you would like. And I will close that time in prayer. And then we'll sing that chorus again. And then the band down and the songsters will come up to share with us. Let's sing right now. Come, beautiful Christ. Bless us. 
and radiate through us to those that we encounter, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing that chorus again as the band and songsters move.
morning, everyone. It's nice to be home on this Sunday. Having been a, an officer's kid that's lived many different places, uh, Flint is still central and home to me. Having been born in the city, moved out about uh, three months after I was born, went on the road with my parents in that great adventure of Salvation Army officership through mostly eastern Michigan, actually, and then having finished my college education at the University of Michigan, got my first job. Where? Right back home in Flint, Michigan, where I never lived, but I, had, I taught for five years. I want to thank whoever put together that uh, slide for that very skinny profile. <laughs> Appreciate that very much. I also apologize for some confusion to those who know my father, also as William Himes, were wondering which one was going to speak, the old Bill Himes or the older Bill Himes. Today it's just the old one. Having turned 60 this year, I qualify, I suppose. Thank you, uh, songsters, for singing that scripture to us. It, it shows up twice in the Old and New Testament because Paul quotes it in Romans and the originator of that great text, Isaiah, says it in his uh, 52nd chapter. Can I just read a passage to you? Because it actually does tie in. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who, bring, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, you watchmen, lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. That's what was sung to us today so beautifully. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Profiles of leadership. What is that all about? What, are you, what do you think of when you think of a leader? Well, first of all, I would guess that most of us think, good, we're off the hook. He's going to talk about somebody great, some historic example, Roosevelt, Churchill, Patton, I don't know. Or maybe I'm going to talk about vocational examples, in my case being a musician, Somebody like that great conductor Toscanini would, would be an inspiration to me. Or from my college days, having been there the final four years of the legendary uh, William Ravelli, we could tell many stories of that tyrant on the podium and how he got so much out of us. Or more indirectly, but uh, in an inspirational way, in the Salvation Army, a, a great man, a great composer such as Eric Ball, who was an inspiration to me from the time I was a young boy, and indeed, my son is named after him. That, that we could be that kind of leader. Or it could be local examples of leaders, such as our corps officers, our sergeant major. Uh, one of the things I think of is that uh, what seemed so different to me this morning was to see my brother-in-law, Ted, conducting the band rather than Dick Holman. Because Dick has been a faithful leader of this band for 25 years. How many people here are younger than 25? Younger than 25, yes. So he has been conducting before you were born. That's how long Dick's been doing We could talk about local examples like that, of faithfulness, fortitude, and vision. 
We can talk about biblical examples like Abraham and later on Moses and certainly David and uh, Paul, of course, in the New Testament. And how about Jesus himself, the ultimate leader? We could talk about all those great figures in life and, and sort of count us out. But actually what I want to say is that just about everyone here, just about, except maybe the very littlest one and the baby-to-be, cannot yet claim that they could be a leader, that you are a leader, that in some way you are a leader. For just as we learn by example, we become an example. Sometimes in a leadership class that I teach out of camp, I'll have some kid come up with his Nikes on and I'll say, put one foot up on this chair and I'll untie the shoe. And I'll say, okay, now I'm going to tie this for you, but I want you to tell me how to do it. And you can only use words. Now think about that. So this kid is saying, okay, well, pick up the two laces. So, and I purposely will take literally what he says and do it in the most awkward way possible. So I'll pick up both laces in my hand. He'll say, no, 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 put one lace in one hand and one lace in the other. And so I'll do that. I'll say, okay, now cross them over. Then I'll cross my arms like this. And no, no, that's not going to work. He realized somehow you've got to drop a lace and pinch it and trade. And then he's finding the right word. Okay, now trade your grip. And then he gets to the part where, okay, now put it underneath. So now I'm putting it like underneath the shoe. No, 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 under the lace. And everything he's taking, I'm taking very literally, and you can see him getting more and more frustrated because his words are not conveying what I need to do. And finally, I say to him, why are you having so much problem with this? You know how to tie your shoes, don't you? Yeah. I want the kid to finally reach the conclusion that the reason he can't put it into words is because he didn't learn it by words. Well, how did you learn it then? And the kid has to think about it. When did you first learn to tie your shoes? How did that happen? And almost 100% of the time, the answer is, my dad or my mom came around behind me and they showed me how to do it. They might have said something like, you make a bunny ear and you make another bunny ear and that kind of stuff, but, but that was irrelevant. They were showing, by example, how to tie those shoes. And all of us have that potential to show a way, or in this case this morning, to show the way. And I'd just like to, to ask the Lord's help as we talk about this for the next few moments. God, I just pray that you'd be with us in this moment, that my words would be your words, that your spirit would speak to our hearts, that we would learn from your word our potential to be the way to those who see us. So be with me in this moment and these good people this morning as we worship you and learn more of you through your word. In Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen. Now here are some people I've benefited from as a leader. And some of them I either barely know or have never met. Okay? One person is uh, Will Cosson. Will Cosson. Now, most people in this audience would not recognize that name. You'd have to be very, very old to know that name. And so those people are not even going to admit that they know that name. <laughs> Will Cosson was my great-grandfather. I never met him. In fact, he died, I think, when my father was a young boy, probably eight, ten years old. 
So I never knew Will Cawson. So how did I benefit from him? Well, you see, at this very church, he was the welcome sergeant. Now, to the advisory board members who are here today, and by the way, we're glad to have you here. We, we really do appreciate all that you do to uh, integrate our ministry into the community and to advise us and to show us how it should be done. But if this is the first worship service you've been to in the Salvation Army, you're probably struck by all the terms we have. We've got military terms for everything. So the sergeant major, he's the head deacon, of course. You know? And we, even, we don't even die in the Salvation Army. No, no, no. We are promoted to glory. Everything has, has a military connotation. So my great-great-grandfather, my great-grandfather, was the welcome sergeant. That's a fancy military term for usher, in a way. Except a welcome sergeant does more than hand out the program and say there are a few seats down in front. But what he does is he welcomes you and makes sure that you, you feel at home in this place. My great-grandfather was that. He was the one who encouraged a family that had just moved up from Highland Park, Michigan, who came out and heard the band on the street corner before the evening meeting, and he met them, befriended them, and encouraged them to come to the evening service. That was my, my great-grandfather, who did that not knowing that long after he passed, their daughter would marry his grandson, their daughter was my mom. I benefited from the leadership of Will Cawson, who made that family feel welcome in this place. I benefited from Bert Kemp. Now, there's another name that a lot of people don't know anymore. A lot of people wouldn't have known him when he was alive here, because Bert was a charming, quiet, gentle man. Not a flashy person, not a hey-look-at-me kind of guy, not the person to stand up and play a horn solo, not Bert. He was a faithful, quiet member of the band, and more importantly, he was a Sunday school teacher. Not in my time, but in my dad's time, he was. And he was my dad's Sunday school teacher. And because of Bert Kemp, my dad, coming from a broken home, had yet one of many male mentors in this church who could show him what a real father should be, what a real Christian gentleman should be, and although I barely knew Bert Kemp, I benefited from his leadership. Benefited from my parents' leadership, obviously, uh, growing up in the Salvation Army and in their ministry. But they taught us more than the stuff of the Salvation Army. They, they taught us uh, faithfulness, commitment, uh, fidelity. They taught us the blessing of people. The people of all ages are very interesting and enriching and worth getting to know. And even when we were little kids, we learned that it was more than just the kids of our own age group that were interesting, but people of all ages, they taught us that. Here's a name of a lady you've never met her. She's in her 90s now. She lives up in Minneapolis. Her name is Betty Ramstead. Betty Ramstead is a leader that I still benefit from. When my first wife, Wendy, was a first grader, she had Betty Ramstead as her Sunday school teacher. And it's not just what Betty taught in that class during that brief little time, no. Betty was this kind of person that once you were in her class, you had an unending link with her. Not only for the rest of your life, but after you died, she would keep track of your family and their children. And she still does. I've only met Betty maybe twice in my whole life but I get letters from her every 
month. And my children get letters from her every month. And this lady finds all these funny cartoons based on a theme. She'll clip them out of the paper and she'll put them together. She'll find poems. She'll find articles that are all on a theme. And she glues them all together. And then she goes down to the local Walgreens, I think, and Xerox off a gazillion copies because she sends these with her own postage to every student that ever came in her Sunday school class. And Wendy, who passed 15 years ago, I am the recipient of those letters. They're not addressed to Wendy, they're addressed to me. She knows who she's sending them to. She knows when she's sending them to my daughter or my son because we have this link with this lady who will not let you go. And I love this lady from a distance. I love this lady that I've only seen a couple of times. You know what I got from her a week ago? Well, a Mother's Day theme, duh. And three pages of Mother's Day thoughts and ideas. And then this one little thing at the end that I thought tied in so beautifully with what I needed to talk about today. Just this little five or six liner that says, watch your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become habits. Watch your habits, they become character. Watch your character, they become your destiny. That lady is a leader in my life. I am helped, I'm reminded, I'm brought up short by the challenge of those words. And how did that happen? Because way back sometime in the 50s, my wife was her first grade student in Sunday school. What a model of faithfulness that leader is. And she'll never be elected general. You would have never heard of her otherwise. And yet, she is a leader. Because she leads by example. Now here's a reach. Here's, here's a person I benefited from. It goes all the way back to first century Christian church. St. Mark. St. Mark. How am I the direct beneficiary of him? Well, one of Mark's mission fields was he went to Egypt, and he brought the gospel to Egypt. And it flourished for a time until the Muslim invasion. And when that came in, a very strict uh, code of religion was enforced on the people. And when Islam was brought in, it was so strong that all other religions were banned, except if you were already a Christian, you could remain a Christian and your family could remain Christian. So they could remain in the Egyptian Orthodox Church, but only if you inherited that citizenship, if you will, by generations before you who were also Christian. But all others became Muslim. And if you converted from Muslim, from Islam, to Christianity, even to this day, the sentence is dire. You could be executed for doing something like that. It's very, very serious. So how am I the beneficiary of St. Mark? Years ago, my daughter Tammy uh, was in a, a playground accident. Uh, she fell from some sort of a ladder, you know, one of those ladder things that you sort of pull yourself across. And uh, it was a, a wooden type of thing. In fact, a, a wood shop teacher in a little town up north in Michigan and his uh, wood shop class had put together this project and it was all done to specifications. It was all done right. But over the years in that park, some of the things hadn't been 
quite maintained, and one of them was one of those spindles that got loose. And so as Tammy, six years old, was pulling herself across this, she hit upon a loose one, and she fell and had a terrible break right in the middle of her arm, just above the elbow. Her mother and I were as far away from Tammy as you could possibly be. She's in Petoskey, Michigan. We're in Sydney, Australia. And my good friends, the Tulchers, her aunt and uncle, have her in the hospital, and this six-year-old has you know, the pins through the arm and is in traction. Wendy flies half a world away and, and, and is with her 55 hours later. She eventually recovers. She does all the therapy. I heard about the therapy today. And you're right, all physical therapists, just understand this, my friend, they are Nazis. <laughs> and they have to be. <laughs> they cannot pity you, because if they pity you, you don't progress. <laughs> the advice you got is absolutely right. But Tammy did all her wall walking and did all that stuff. But eventually, being a six-year-old and going through growth spurts, we could see that one arm was starting to curve while the other one was going straight. So we were advised to search out a pediatric orthopedic specialist to see how we might have this fixed. And so we met Dr. Ibrahim. And um, he looked at this and said, okay, here's what we're gonna do. And uh, they did the surgery and it was successful. But after the surgery, we're in the surgical waiting room and uh, he has come down to tell us that it went very well. And now we're understanding just how dire it was because in that area, there's a major artery and a major nerve and anything goes wrong, you could really be messed up. But he said, no, your six-year-old is going to be fine. And he explained, <laughs> it was a horrifying detail. I remember Wendy had to sit down because she was feeling queasy. And I'm going, it's just an x-ray. This is history. This has already happened. We don't need to get sick about something that's already done. You know. But the rotation of the bone and all this kind of stuff. But he said it was a success. And then he said one more thing. He said, I just want you to know that my wife and I are Egyptian Orthodox. And he explained to us this whole thing of, of being able to be Christian because their descendants before him and before him and all the way back to St. Mark were Christians. And then he said, I just want you to know that my wife and I have made your daughter's surgery a specific matter of prayer. Now that's a comfort to a parent who is totally helpless in a post-op procedure to hear this man say, because of the faithfulness of St. Mark in the first century, I am faithful to this day. I have had the examples. I've had the leads. I've, I've been shown the way all the way to my generation. And I just want you to know that because of that faith, my wife and I have put faith into this procedure. And we believe and know that your daughter will be well. And she is well. The thing about leading by example is it's like Hallmark. It's a gift that keeps on giving like that like a great-grandfather, like a Sunday school teacher, like a doctor, like a you fill in the blank. One of the great leaders in my core, my church in Oak Brook, Illinois, is our custodian, who came in through our Hispanic ministry years ago. Uh, he, was, he was basically hired to be the custodian, but then he, he discovered the church. And he joined it, and he became a soldier, and he has his uniform. 
And last week, we enrolled three of his grandsons as junior soldiers in their little uniform and stuff. Because Grandpa led by example. Grandpa, who had a really messed up life down in Mexico, and a messed up marriage and everything that was wrong with it. And somehow, in their immigration to the United States, things weren't getting much better, but landed on this job at the Salvation Army and found a whole lot more than he bargained for. He found his faith. And I'll never forget Vicente's testimony one Sunday because he read the scripture. He read the scripture, and his whole family was there to hear Vicente read the scripture. And he said, this is very important to me today because this is the first time I've read scripture in a worship service. He said, you see, until about a year and a half ago, I didn't know how to read. But I wanted to learn to read so I can study the word. And he became a literate, a literate person so that he could know God's word. Now he's that he could read it, but that he could live it. And in living it, he's an example to his family so that now even his grandsons are becoming junior soldiers in our church because of his lead in the way. What these people have in common is they, they lead by living spirit-filled lives that are committed to the way. Another thing we have in the Salvation Army is the Salvation Army salute. One finger extended, the way, one way to heaven. And in 1 Thessalonians, uh, the first chapter in verses 6 and 7, this very encouraging thing that Paul says to the people there, and it applies to us. He said, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe sufferings, you welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers. We have this capacity within us to become a model to the next group of people that are seeking something that's missing in their lives as well. Anyone who claims faith in Christ, I believe, is a leader. We lead by our example. We lead by living the way. Even in the Old Testament, we see a very interesting story, and we sing a a corny little Sunday school chorus about Naaman the leper, and he dipped, and he dipped, and he dipped, and and it really sort of trivializes it. But in, in 2 Kings, the fifth chapter, In these uh, 16 verses, it says, Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram, the the same tribe, had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, the competing tribe down the way. And this young girl served as Naaman's wife, I'm sorry, she served Naaman's wife. She didn't serve as Naaman's wife. She was a servant to Naaman's wife. Sorry about that. Slight distinction there. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of the leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left taking him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of leprosy. Thinking that this girl must have been referring of the great leader, surely. But it created great confusion. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? 
See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me? It's like he's asking me to do the impossible. And I'm not going to be able to do it, so it's going to be an excuse for him to invade and I evade. But then when the prophet Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the, man, have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh. And all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. And the prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. Now my point in that story, actually there's a couple of questions. Is First of all, who got the ball rolling here? It wasn't the king. It wasn't even the prophet. It was a young girl who had been kidnapped and enslaved by the very tribe whose army Naaman commanded. How did she show the way? By simply being true to her faith. I know of a prophet who can do this. She could have just kept her mouth shut and watched this guy literally fall apart, her captor. But no, she revealed her faith and said, here's a guy who can make a difference. And who closed the deal here, by the way? It really wasn't Elisha when you think about it because his advice was misinterpreted and sent Naaman into a rage. No, it was just a lowly servant who went to Naaman and said, now think this through. There's potential here. My point being is that you don't have to be some great icon of notoriety to make a difference in this world. How can we lead? How can we show the way? In Philippians 1.27, it tells us very simply this, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Be. Be Jesus to those who don't know him. You don't have to be showy about it. You don't have to uh, have your Bible in hand throughout the day ready to thump it or to exhort or to condemn or to judge. No, no, quite the opposite. God wants us to be. He wants us to have his attitude. And what is this attitude? Later on in the second chapter of Philippians, ah, this is the tough part. It says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held on to. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now that's a challenging work ethic. That's a challenging model to follow, and yet... That's what they want us to do. That's what scripture tells us. That's what each author of every book who tells us about Jesus and how we should live points to us and says, we need to live like, like that. It seems impossible, doesn't it? How do we pull this off? I've got great news for you. We don't do it. God does it. God does it. It's nothing that we do. Except one little thing, one little three-letter word that we do. We let him do it. Philippians 2.13, that same powerful book, 
It's just four chapters. I challenge you to read it. You could do it in 15 minutes, the whole book. But you could spend a lifetime gleaning the riches out of it. But Philippians 2.13 says this, For it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. Kind of tricky verbiage there. The New Living Bible says it, I think, in a little more cleaner, direct way in this instance. It says, For God is at work within you, helping you want to obey him and helping you to do what he wants. When we allow that, when we let God do his work within us, we lead. We lead by example. And often it is the simplest, quietest, most into-the-wallpaper kind of person who can make such a profound difference. You know, we know about the great author C.S. Lewis, especially um, uh, with all of his uh, writings and even some that have been turned into movies now. But C.S. Lewis was an avowed atheist who was transformed by, by uh, his encounter with God, by trying to prove that there wasn't a God, and then discovered that there was. There was a C.S. Lewis type of guy in Salvation Army history. His name was Richard Slater, later known as the father of Salvation Army music because he was the very first editor of all of our publications. But Richard Slater was an intellectual, and he was just amused, if not interested, by this curious ragtag group of people known as the Salvation Army. And he started attending the meetings out of just curiosity and just, just to see how lightweight this might be. And then he heard a testimony from a young scullery maid in London near the area of, uh, there's, a, there's a Salvation Army Corps uh, to this day in that vicinity called Chalk Farm. But in that Chalk Farm Corps, one night, he heard a scullery maid stand up and give this testimony my missus says I must be saved because before I used to sweep around the mats and now I sweep under them as well. That's all she said. And she sat down. And that captured this intellectual Richard Slater because he was seeing an unlearned person whose very work ethic was changed in some way, even to the point where she swept under the mats as well as around them. And it made a profound difference in his life, and and it caused him to come to faith. It convicted him. And Slater was later the father of Salvation Army music. But he points to that simple little testimony as someone who led him in his life. Well, when we are faithful to God's leading and working in us, I want to tell you, the world does take notice. We heard some wonderful testimonies to that fact today, didn't we? Of people who are just being I was particularly intrigued with Linda's testimony, where she just prays that God will give her an opportunity to witness, even in a public workplace. And the interesting thing is God can do that, and he can do it in such a way that you're not going to lose your job. The world is looking for Jesus people. They're looking for somebody with an answer. I used to have that same kind of prayer when I worked in the secular workplace. I still prayed each day, God, use me in some way to touch a life, some way, somehow. But when I was a school teacher, not a few blocks away from here, at Whittier Junior High School, that was my prayer each day, that somehow I would have an opportunity to show my faith, either by my action, reaction, or whatever. And God answered those prayers. I remember one time there was a girl who um, was playing trumpet in my band, and I realized that I thought she was having the beginnings of a drug problem. Now, drugs weren't too big back in the 70s, but it was coming. 
And I could, we, we took a little band trip somewhere, and I just noticed that when she got off the bus, she was still walking on steps that weren't there. I thought, we may have a problem here, but how do you, how do you deal with it when you don't have the goods, when you don't have the proof? So one day during my planning period, I called her father, who worked at one of the local funeral homes here, and I said, I, I just need to see you, but you don't need to come and see me. I'm going to come and see you. So I went to his place of work, because I had about an hour to pull this off, and it was, it was close enough by. And I talked to him, I said, I, I don't have the goods, but I strongly suspect that your daughter might be experimenting with some stuff, and I, and I think if I were a parent, I w would want to at least know about it. And he was devastated. He said, well, what do I do? What do I do? And I said, well, I don't know. I can't say. I'm a person of faith, so I would tell you that if you have a church home, and you have a pastor who can be a counselor here or who can pray with you about this, I think that would be a good first step. And he did come from a church background, and I felt like I could tell him that because I wasn't on school property. I was off the premises, you know. And wouldn't you know it, I mean, it was like 25 years later, I am back in this very town. I am in this room to celebrate my mother's promotion to glory. I'm at her funeral. And you know that guy was one of the attendants at the funeral. I said, how's your daughter doing? He says, she's doing great. 25 years later, he was ministering to my family in our time of grief. You can't imagine, you can't plan those things. You have to be in the moment, you have to be willing, and you have to trust that if you pray that God will use you in some way, he will use you, and he can even use you this very day. He could use you on that prayer walk today. Not just standing and praying for what is there and what could be. He may even give you an encounter with someone saying, why, why are you out here? Why are you standing here? It may be your opportunity to share your faith. But when we are faithful to God's leading and it's working in us, the world does take notice. And we can make that difference. So may I just assert one more time that we are all leaders here today. We certainly have that potential. My question to you is, are you willing to let God do the work in you so that he can work through you? Have you taken that first step where you've asked Christ to come into your life in the first place? Have you taken that step? Are you willing to let his attitude become yours? That would certainly be the next one. And finally, is it your daily goal to be an example of Christ to those who have never met him. We're just going to sing a little chorus. Lead me, Lord, I will follow. Lead me, Lord, I will go. You've called me, I will answer. Lead me, Lord, I will go. From the lowest task in life to the greatest public calling, we can all be leaders of the way. Let's sing this chorus together. And if you um, want to respond to that in a, in a public way, then these altars are certainly open, even as they were uh, earlier in the service for intercessory prayer. But now this is a time for personal prayer, for personal commitment. You want to take that next step and say, I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord, for you to lead me so that I can lead others. If that's, uh, if that's your thought, if that's what the Holy Spirit has put on your heart today, then uh, 
Don't waste any time. Come and seal it in prayer. Or if you want to just uh, pray and meditate where you're at, that's fine too. But I just would uh, want to do due diligence and give this opportunity. I wouldn't want to just throw out that challenge and then just walk away and say, think about it. It's kind of like telling everybody about all the accessories on the car and never saying, do you want to buy it or not? I want to give you an opportunity to buy into this today. So let's sing together. Lead me, Lord, I will follow. Lead me, Lord, I will go. You have called me, I will. anyone struggling with that, anyone who's not taken that step of willingness to have you in their life or to have you Lord of their life, to have you lead their life, I pray that your spirit would speak strong and with conviction this morning to those lives, that we would not let this day pass without setting the record straight with you and your mission through us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We're going to sing just a couple of verses of a song that, that ties into this. Um, it's also in the songbook. It's it's not correctly listed in the program, but it's uh, correct on the uh, in the media, and it's song 212 if you need to find it in the songbook. What I like about it is it's all about transference. Gracious spirit, dwell with me. I myself would gracious be. Or truthful spirit, dwell with me. I myself would truthful be. All of these attributes, whether they be tenderness, power, holiness, these things can all be ours and they can be reflected in what we do. So could we just stand and we're going to sing just a, a couple of verses of this and I'll outline them as they go. Gracious spirit, dwell with me. I myself would gracious be and with blue. 
Spirit dwell with me, I myself would wholly be separate from sin. I would choose and cherish all things good, and whatever I can be, give to him who gave me thee. Let's sing that final verse. Holy Spirit, dwell with me. Major Himes. Forever I've been seeing him in the army. Well, okay, but not been in the army forever. But ever since I've been in the army, Mr. Himes has been in the army. And so to me, you feel like a Major Himes. And you get the majors because you're old. No, just, do you guys know this, this songbook of the Salvation Army? In the very, very back, there's these little choruses. And in our core, we're haunting our people and going through them. And we say, okay, we got a new celebration chorus. Because some of them are just fabulous. And while he was preaching, I was thinking of one. It says, the world is needing us. Christ is leading us. Comrades, let us be true. His love is constraining us. Prayer sustaining us. Faith will carry us through. His service calling us, none appalling us. Deeds of valor we will do. For souls are needing us. Christ is leading us. Comrades, will we be true? And I think that's what the author of 1 John is saying in our benediction. 1 John 5. It says, Everyone who really believes that Jesus is the Christ proves himself one of God's family. The man who loves the Father cannot help loving the Father's own Son. The test of the genuineness of our love for God's family lies in this question. Do we love God himself? And do we obey his commands? For loving God means obeying his commands, and his commands of his are not burdensome. For God's heredity within us will always conquer the world outside us. In fact, this faith of ours is the only way in which the world has been conquered. For who could ever be said to conquer the world in the true sense except the man who really believes that Jesus is God's son. Let's pray this morning. Father, this morning we pray that we can truly be in your line of heredity, God. That we know you as our father. And we know you as the one who sent your son to take on all of our burdens. And Lord, I pray that we can be imitators of you. That we can lead this community by our lives. And Lord, we know we can only do that when you are within us and when we have those seeds of faith and when we can lean and trust on you. So this morning, God, I pray that you'd be within us, that you would be giving us the faith and the trust and the willpower and the stamina to go out and be conquerors of this world. We pray in your precious and your holy name. Amen. It's been so good to be here and to see the, the changes happening within Flint from when I lived here 12 years ago. It's amazing to think it's been that long. And uh, yeah, I'm not a major. But, you know, just as our, our little girls grow and, and to see the growth taking place here is just phenomenal. 
Uh, it's just such a beautiful thing. And to know that all comes back to Jesus Christ. He is the answer. So join with us as we sing together. Christ is the answer. This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Kersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.